1: I cannot wait to see you. We need materials in Spanish. We can't go out and communicate or connect with communities if we're not using language. In order for all of us to be included, we have to feel included. And so what can Latinas bring to the industry? They bring their talents. They bring their skill sets. They bring their cultures. They bring their whole selves to this.
0: Legal cannabis is a multi-billion dollar industry, already dominated by white middle-class growers. But Gia Marone wants to make sure the rest of us have a chance to profit from this growing market. She's the executive vice president of Women Grow, an organization that creates opportunities for enterprising women in the legal weed market. Thanks so much for being here, Gia. Thank you for having
1: me. Tell me, what was your introduction to the cannabis industry? So the first time I recognized that there was an industry, it was actually looking at a documentary on CNBC. Hmm. So there was a documentary series about the marijuana industry and the rise of it. And this was like between 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. And I was shocked because I'm thinking what is a business channel doing focused on marijuana? Mm -hmm. How did it become legal when so many people were arrested for it? And it's in Colorado and in California. And I thought, no one looks like me. And they're talking about making a lot of money. And there's a lot of people from my community who have been arrested. So Uh I was intrigued. wanted to learn more. Tell me then about the first meeting you go
0: to for Women Grow because a lot of those sentiments spilled over into those meetings.
1: Absolutely. So in my intrigue of wanting to learn more, through research, I came across Jane West, who is the founder of Women Grow, and there was a profile on her. And I researched everything she mentioned in that article, and that's how I came across Women Grow only to find out that there were meetings in New York City, where I'm from. And I thought, oh my god, I have to go. So I bought a ticket to the event. I told some friends, but I was a little apprehensive because Mm -hmm. I was still carrying the stigma of, I can't believe that this is legal or this is real. And so here in New York City, off of Canal Street, there was an address we were told to go to, there was no signage, so I thought, Oh, my God, this is weird. <laughs> and and I had already heard about, like, trainings and introduction to the cannabis industry, like, out by LaGuardia Airport and JFK. And those were really weird because they weren't in the best hotels. And I just thought, of oh, this seems really grimy. So Especially because you're coming from Goldman Sachs. <laughs> well, it's a very, very different world, yeah. right? And then I had already had my own company by then and my own clients, but all of them were operating businesses in legal industries, right? So I was still struggling wrapping my head around what this marijuana cannabis industry was about. So I go to this meeting, I get off the elevator, go through this door, and the room was packed with people. Hmm. And I was shocked because I was like, how come no one told me this was happening right here in New York City? And I think that was more the shock to me is that – these meetings had been going on for quite some time here in the city, yet no one I knew knew about them. And it, w- it was a great experience. I mean, not that anyone made me feel uncomfortable, but I think they were kind of used to that reaction of people coming and saying, what? This is really happening. But again, the meeting was attended by predominantly white people. There were probably, I counted that day, there were five people of color. And I thought, I got to tell my friends about this.
0: hmm
1: so I decided after going to that first meeting, which I ended up walking out with three clients. Wow. Because, you know, people were really friendly. They, what do you do? And I thought, oh, I want to grow. I want to own a dispensary. And Like, oh, what do you do now? And so I told them I have a PR branding business development firm. They're like, well, why don't you do that here? And I thought, do you need it? Like, absolutely. And that's when the light went on. And those folks introduced me to people in this networking circle. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was great just having that opportunity to consult and really get my foot in the door. So I then just started going to meetings and inviting friends. But you took a big step. You were
0: volunteering for them. You were at a Women Grow Summit. And you again realize that all of the presenters were white. And I think a lot of us see those things and it's sort of like a see something and we say something to a friend. You saw something and you actually sent a note to leadership
1: saying, hey, you've got a problem. I did. I did. So one of the things that attracted me to Women Grow is the founders saw that there were a lot of men leading the industry. And mm-hmm. they were very clear, a lot of white men leading it. And I thought, yeah, that's what I, that's how I feel, So in turn, when I saw the lineup, I said, "Well, is women grows response to this is that only white women will lead the industry? like what right. happened to the rest of us? What was amazing is that the CEO at the time was extremely responsive, apologetic, you're absolutely right. We need to do better, and this is what we'd like to do and And ask, do you want to to join the team? To me, I would prefer someone come forward, own their mistakes or oversights and say, help us do better, because then I feel like we're moving in the right direction. So I did take a chance, but I took a chance with everything with this industry. And I figured there's no going back now. Like, you're all in or not. And if you see things that you feel like you can perhaps create solutions for, now's the time to do it.
0: When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in Pampers Swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes, from newborn to size 8, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the elephant and Freddy the duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club.
1: Hi Latina to Latina listeners, it's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast, and if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events.
2: Hey, if
0: it's time to upgrade your bra, then you should check out Lively. They offer bra styles for all different body types, available in 32A to 44 Triple D. They've got bralettes, t-shirt bras, no-wire bras, and so much more. For a limited time, you can get ten dollars off your first order by visiting wearelively.com/latina. That's w-e-a-r-l-i-v-e-l-y.com/latina. The Lively bras I ordered were stylish and really comfortable. They're made of soft fabrics that you'll actually want to wear all day. The website is easy to navigate, and as you know, I love trying things on at home. Their how to measure guide is on point and makes the process really easy. Lively is creating products that we all thought were impossible, like their no-wire strapless bra or best-selling busty bralettes, both of which quickly sold out and had thousands on back order. Plus, they have free and easy returns using the prepaid shipping label included in every package. And when you refer a friend, for every friend that signs up for Lively and makes a purchase, you receive 100 points. That's $10. So head to wearelively.com slash Latina. That's W-E-A-R-L-I-V-E-L-Y dot com slash Latina. And get $10 off your first order. I want to ask the question that's on
1: everyone's mind. Is consumption a part of your job? So the answer is no, it's not a part of my job. So my consumption of choice are CBD tinctures, and generally it's hemp CBD, although I've taken... And to the layperson, that is. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I forget. Okay. So you've got the cannabis plant itself, mm-hmm. and then you've got the relation or the cousin of it, which is hemp. So one has THC... The hemp plant has 0.303% THC, so you don't feel that psychoactive, that high feeling from hemp. And so in taking tinctures, hemp tinctures, it's just the oil. It helps with my swelling around my knees. Okay. I take it more for wellness purposes. I used to be a cigarette smoker, so I choose not to consume through smoking. Mm -hmm. I will occasionally enjoy some tea know. They have low dosage of THC tea, which I think is awesome. So that's my choice of edibles. I have to understand myself. And I think that's one of the mistakes that people Mm -hmm. um, make. In consuming edibles, you overindulge because, look, if you love sugar, one cookie or a bite of a cookie isn't going to be enough. I know me, I kind of want three or four, but I also don't want to get so high. So I would prefer (laughs) a non-THC cookie. I would prefer a nice cup of tea with maybe five milligrams of THC. And Mm -hmm. that's really low, but it's super chill. You
0: are working to change this, but the industry is still predominantly white and predominantly male. Why is that? Access to capital. Mm -hmm. So same as every other industry. Same
1: as any other industry. I mean... Right now, the way people are currently getting funding is through venture capital, investments, friends, and family. Even people of color that I know that come from families, even, let's say, quote, unquote, of means, it still requires so much more. Mm-hmm. Just to start up a cultivation, you need at least $25 million or more. I mean, that's, 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 a, lot lot that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You think about people who are opening up dispensaries at least five million or more. And people have to understand those are starting costs. Right. Right. You still have to maintain these facilities, you still have to pass inspections, you still have to pay taxes. Like when people hear those dollar amounts, they're thinking, wow, that's a lot of money and that's it. No, it doesn't stop. So I understand, yeah, it is still led by white males. I'd love to see more people of color, and I mean of all races, enter into the industry. We've seen cannabis, it's gone global. We, yeah. we talk about it here in the US, but you look at the number of countries that are legalizing. So the footprint has gone so much further. But yet again, when you look at those countries, it's still being led by men.
0: Right, right, right. When it comes to the question of marijuana legalization, Latinos are among the most conservative demographic groups. 66% of whites say it should be legalized, 56% of blacks, and only 48% of Latinos. Where do those attitudes come from?
1: Culture. Mm -hmm. I think when you look at specifically black and brown communities, one, we've been the ones that have been most arrested. Right. Mm -hmm. So fear keeps us away Mm -hmm. to within our cultural practices, we've been conditioned to believe that this plant is wrong for us. And it is a plant. Right. And when we think of other medicines, honestly, they all start out as a plant. They eventually grow into a pill form or whatever have you. So society has told us this is wrong. We've seen in our communities people who have been incarcerated for this. And what are we going to do? We're going to stay away from what we believe is trouble.
0: Right, so let me ask you then a follow-up to that, which is how do you address then the fear and skepticism the Blacks and Latinos have about it being regulated by the government?
1: Because that fear is real. No, it it is, trust me, it's very Mm -hmm. real. I dealt with it. I had to deal with my family and my friends. So I want to get back to that later. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's a couple of things. Education is key. Access to information. A lot of the information that's been fed to communities were wrong, believing that it was a quote-unquote gateway drug. You start with marijuana, and then it leads down the wrong path to everything else. We're actually reading studies now, and we're hearing results that marijuana is actually helping patients who are addicted to opioids transition and get off of opioid drugs. What a conundrum is that, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. the complete opposite. So I definitely think it's access to information, education, going into the communities and really connecting and having these conversations. Just recently, myself and other organizations partnered with the first church in the country to host a cannabis conference. Whoa. Nowhere else in the country this has happened. It happened here in New York, actually in Brooklyn, New York. And it was huge for the pastor of the church to say yes. But once explained, he understood that this was about medicine. This was about education. This was about equity opportunities, not just jobs, because oftentimes when opportunities are brought to the black and brown communities, it's jobs. But what about ownership? Right. Mm -hmm. And so this time we're like, no, we want equity and we want equality. And the more that we're able to bring the information to the community and have from our elders to our young people understand that this is a real industry. It is becoming legal. No, you should not be arrested for this anymore. And there are a lot of medical benefits that could help many of us Mm -hmm. in our communities.
2: Hello, I'm Ashanti Golar, and I'm so excited to tell you about a brand new podcast, The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics is a one-stop shop for women of color who are looking to learn more from women of color in politics and also just to see what's going on and how other women of color are working to make the country a better place. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics is for that woman of color who has been told that she doesn't have a place in politics. It is for that woman who knows that she wants to be involved in politics but doesn't know how to get started. It's for that woman who wants to run for elected office but needs to hear from someone who looks like them who has done it before. I've teamed up with Wonder Media Network to bring you a season full of conversations with women who are leading the way in politics today. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: How does Women Grow accomplish its mission? That's a great question. I can speak for myself and those that work with me, connecting with women that we meet on a day-to-day basis. And the reason why I say that is our market leaders every month hold signature networking events. What's interesting is I was just in Phoenix uh, a couple of days ago. To see the number of newcomers, every month our market leader says every month it's the same thing. New people, new people, new people. Mm -hmm. We're out there speaking to people. Someone who's attended our meeting speaks to their friend. So the mission is to connect, educate, empower, and inspire the next generation of cannabis leaders. I think that that really transitions into outside of our meetings. Once someone experiences a signature networking event, they can't wait to go home and share with their family and friends. And that allows for that message to carry on. In essence, when you look at what Women Grow does, yeah, we do hold events. We do have webinars for our education But it's really connecting with people, right? Mm -hmm. That's our mission, to connect people, to invite them into this industry. Instead of saying cannabis is a gateway drug, I love to say that Women Grow is my gateway into the cannabis industry. TM
0: that. That's good. (laughs) So it's a largely membership-based organization. That is my understanding. Is that
1: right? Who are these women? Oh, my gosh. They're women at every level, to be honest. And what I love about it is they're newcomers who are brand new to the cannabis industry, to business owners. They are millennials to boomers. And that's what's wonderful about this. Generally, people have a specific demographic that they're targeting. But I think right now in cannabis, I've been to meetings where I've seen three generations attend our meetings. And I thought, how unique is that? How often do you guys do that? Mm -hmm. Realizing that the grandmother, the mother, and the daughter are all there – because they're interested in the industry. Either they're going to work together in a business, they're interested to learn more about it just in terms of the medical benefits or whatever the opportunities. No one is opting out, everyone's invited in. What do
0: you think the opportunity is for Latinas specifically?
1: Oh my gosh, the amount of talent that is needed. One of the things I would love to see more of and that I believe that Latinas can bring to this industry. We need materials in Spanish. Sure. We need to, We can't go out and communicate or connect with communities if we're not using language. And so the reason why I'm saying that is, in order for all of us to be included, we have to feel included. And so what can Latinas bring to the industry? They bring their talents. They bring their skill sets. They bring their cultures. They bring their whole selves to this. I believe that our community definitely connects with it, and why shouldn't we have a great equity stake
0: in it? 2018 banner year for the industry, 10 billion dollars worth of investments. Next year is expected to be even bigger. I guess next year now is this year. Yeah. Where would you tell a Latina entrepreneur
1: to start? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Because it's such a vast industry, there is no one place to start. We're in an industry that still needs everything from janitorial services to, you know, the highest levels of leadership. There are still gaps in this industry that need solutions. So when people ask where they should begin, I first say, what are your interests? What are you currently doing? If you like what you're currently doing, then bring those skill sets to this industry Mm -hmm. because not everyone wants to be an owner. So even though equity is important, there are some people who say, I just want to work in the industry. I don't necessarily want to own. So it's decide if you want to own a business and start a business. It's then decide if you're looking to work at a business, what skill sets are you bringing? I know that Latinas bring a huge amount of value to this industry. And honestly, if you're bilingual, my gosh, could you please come? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's needed. And I I, I see where the industry is going. Matter of fact, not long ago, I looked at a documentary uh, because I'm such a nerd about this industry. Most of the growers who have workers who are in, of course, cultivation fields, most of them are are predominantly Latinx community, majority Latino men. And so most of these... Farmers or cultivators had to learn how to speak Spanish, right? Because of their employees. And then when you think about when they come in house, many of their trimmers or people that are working within their operations realized, oh, I've got to be able to communicate with my staff because many of them speak Spanish. Right, so right, right. We're seeing that same pattern happen again. So we very much belong here in this space and not just as workers, as owners. I want to know about you. I
0: want to know what you grew up being taught about weed. Mm -hmm. And then I want to know what your family said when you told them you were going to go work in the industry.
1: So (laughs) I laugh because, so one, I am the daughter of a New York City police detective. The plot thickens. (laughs) Now, my father, unfortunately, passed away in 2008, but I don't think he would have been surprised, but he would have, he probably would have been like, all right, Gia, let's see where you're going with this. And I say that to say is that I've often taken risks in my life that people thought, I don't know what she's doing or why she would do that. But once I've done it, they're like, well, that made sense. This, of course, was probably the biggest risk, given the stigma around it. And I grew up in a family full of law enforcement, right? So it wasn't just my father, my uncles, cousins, like everyone was pretty much within law enforcement. So when I shared the news with my mother and my daughter, this is what I was doing, and my daughter at the time going into college, what, you would have thought she would have thought it was cool.
0: (laughs) No, she's like, Mom, you're having a midlife crisis. What is happening here?
1: You would have thought she thought it was cool, but I think, She was just, like, looking at me like, no, you're her mom. You just made weed uncool. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much until her friend started thinking that I was, like, this is really cool. Because I then started, I didn't approach it how most would think. Like, let's sit down and light up a joint. I started explaining to her the business opportunities. I started explaining to her why I was attracted to this. I explained to her I wanted to see more of us. And the only way I could see more of us in this is by talking to more people about it and learning as much as I can. So I talked to her friends and just talked to everyone. My mom, on the other hand, just sat back and watched. And I have to be honest, until a month ago, she's always said she was proud, but I don't really think she fully understood what the industry was. I mean, just trying to get her to take CBD oil and topicals, she kept thinking was going in her bloodstream and that she'd be arrested and carted away, right? (laughs) And then uh, one of my friends in the industry who happens to be a doctor, again, back to your question earlier, when our communities begin to see those that we look up to, just like the pastor of the church, just like the doctors, just like the attorneys, when they hear from those respected figures, they then begin to open up so my mother much like those in our community my mother said the doctor said i should take cbd oil and i looked at her like you've been living with the plug and you <laughs> you take the again doctor. and just like
0: just like with your daughter it's like your mom can't hear it from you
1: nope not at all and so they're welcome they're welcome that that this now is an opportunity for us all
0: For those who don't want to enter the cannabis industry, either as a worker or as an owner, but they want to include it among their investments, where should they start?
1: So tell me how to make money, Gia. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I think we're all still trying to figure out how to make money. That is honestly probably one of the biggest misconceptions. I have to say, even from the biggest companies in the space, I don't think any of them are truly making money yet. This is a a long-term game versus a short-term. For people who are used to flipping, like let's say if you're flipping a house, this is not the industry. And you're then not looking to build long-term wealth. So I don't generally give out investment advice, but I will tell people, when you look at the Canadian market, there's a lot of companies that are going public on the Canadian market as well as other markets. Here in the U.S., I think on the NASDAQ, There's a ton of companies that have gone public. These are all non-plant touching. Okay, so I know you're going to say, what does that mean? These are non-cannabis plant touching businesses that are public on the NASDAQ. There are two hemp companies, I think. So that's considered plant touching except hemp is legal. Am I going too uh-huh, much? Okay, too okay, I'm just checking. So pl- hemp is legal, and so that is one of the companies that you can invest in. I tell people, learn about the businesses. This is your chance to control the power behind your dollars. And the reason why I say that is oftentimes when people have 401ks and pensions, the money that's taken out of their salaries – that's invested into those pensions and 401ks, -hmm. you're investing in companies you have no idea. Correct. When I started watching these protests across the country, just various things, and I thought, I wonder how many of those people realize that these big companies that they're protesting, their 401ks and pensions are actually funding those businesses. So we have an opportunity to sit back, research and learn about the businesses we truly want to invest in. So instead of taking my word as to who you should invest in, the best way is to educate yourselves about what kind of businesses do you want to invest in? What kind of leadership within these businesses do we want to invest in? And I believe that that could truly shift the business world. That makes sense? Makes perfect sense. Okay. (laughs) Gia, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co-created with Bustle. Now the podcast is owned and executive produced by Juleka Lentigua-Williams and me. Maria Muriel was the sound designer on this episode. We want to hear from you. Tell us who you want to hear from and how you're making the show a part of your life. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening.